Hello and welcome to a podcast with David Allen. David Allen is a productivity consultant who is best known um, as the creator of the time management method known as Getting Things Done. He runs an organization, GTD, um, as in Getting Things Done, um, and often identified with the description of mind like water. So very happy to have um, David with us today to talk a little bit about time management, managing our attention, and so forth. David, are you uh, are you with us? Can you hear me okay? All fine. Thanks for the invitation. Glad to be here. Great stuff. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey and, uh, and how you came into this space and um, and then maybe we move on to more sort of practicalities for, for listeners. Sure. Uh, well, I had lots of different jobs, you know, up into my 30s, didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up and then decided to, okay, uh, I like to just go in and help people do what they're doing and they call those consultants. So I started my own little consulting practice, got very hungry for some good models to use that if it wasn't clear how I could help a consulting client that I could pull a model out of my back pocket and you know walk through it and would improve their condition sort of no matter what or no matter who. So I was hungry for those kind of models. And also, um, I'd also gotten very, um, very attracted to a clear head you know, with my martial arts practices and meditation practices, spiritual practices, and so forth, and discovered that as my life got more complex, uh, it was pretty easy to screw up the clear space. So I was hunting for techniques for myself to keep myself clear and sort of surfing on top of the game. Turned around that once I discovered, you know, some of these techniques, and I had some good mentors that taught me various pieces of this, um, turned around and used the same thing with my clients and it produced the same results. More clarity, more focus, more uh, space to focus on the meaningful stuff. So that was you know, I thought that was pretty cool. Then one day, some the head of human resources in a big corporation saw what I was doing, and he said, wow, our whole company needs that. More stability, more focus, more accountability, all that good stuff. He said, could you design something, you know, like a seminar around what you've been doing that we could reach a lot of people? So I worked and developed a two-and-a-half-day personal productivity seminar that we did a pilot program for a 1,000 of their executives and managers, and it worked. And it hit a nerve. So I found myself thrust into the corporate training world. And so that was, you know, this is 1983, 84. So for the next 20, 20 plus years, I spent thousands of hours. My consulting turned into, for the most part, a lot of coaching 101 with the executives or senior people in the organizations, as well as, you know, lots of people going through uh, the training that I designed. So uh, <clears throat> then after about 20 years, I discovered. Uh, it took, took, sort of took me that long to figure out what I'd figured out and that nobody else had done it and that it was bulletproof, that it absolutely produced all those results if anybody you know, uh, applied the methodology. And that's when I decided to write the book, Getting Things Done, the first edition. It was published in 2001. And since then, you know, my, this stuff has become somewhat global and has spread around the world. So there's a very short version of a very long story, Kevin. Yeah, thank you for that history. The, the, uh many people there who who don't know who you are or haven't been to one of your seminars or or etc so um if you are curious you know please go to gettingthingsdone.com to uh, to meet david so can you briefly tell us um or summarize you know the book if you like in uh, in in a short summation 
how sure. does getting things done look like practically for people? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I didn't really make it up so much as I recognize what it is that we do that gives us a sense of stability and control in any kind of situation. So it, it, it comes down to five basic steps, you know, kind of the core methodology here, which is first of all, capturing the things that have your attention, then clarifying exactly what you're gonna do with them, if anything, outcomes and actions required, and then organizing the results into some sort of trusted external brain or trusted external system that you then review and reflect on and, and, and use to then allow you to feel comfortable about your choices, about how you engage your attention and your focus. So it's a, it's a capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage process. And, and you know, that's not new behavior, really. M most people are doing versions of that to some degree. Very few people are really doing it fully. So I just uncovered the, essentially the, the formula about how are you able to clear your head uh, without necessarily having to finish all that stuff and maintain a very busy life. Hmm. And I, I guess the, the issue for most people is we go straight into the engagement. Um, imagining, you, you know, having coached this and trained this for, for decades, you come across consistent problems. And would, would you say that's the case? Is people kind of sure. miss that step of clarifying and then organizing before we engage? Yeah. Well, the biggest problem, Cameron, is that most people are using their head as their office, and your head's a crappy office. Your brain did not evolve to remember, remind, prioritize, or manage relationships between more than four things. That's new cognitive science you know, research has basically proven that. And so, but most people are trying to use their head to remember, remind, and prioritize and manage sort of the complexity of their life. And it just doesn't work. You tend to then be driven by latest and loudest. And to your point, you just go do, uh, as a, and, but it's not from a trusted place. It's from a busy or uh, what's the most latest and loudest thing in front of me. And that's where most people are operating. Hmm. Yeah, and certainly, you know, when we're in that headspace, we, we go to, like you said, we go to the, the latest and the most urgent and we just end up doing and go, 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 go. And how does sort of stepping out of the head help? <clears throat> Well, it helps, it helps a ton. I mean, anybody listening to this, I'm sure at some point has felt a little overwhelmed or confused and sat down and made a list and felt better. Mm. You know, if you re reverse engineered, how come that happened? You'd never keep anything in your head. And I don't. Uh, but see, nothing changed in your world externally. What changed was the most important thing to change, which is how you were engaged with your world changed. So externalizing it. We know now that just getting stuff out of your head, just writing it down, you know, and looking at it gives you much more of a sense of clarity, much more of a sense of, of being able to trust your judgments about what, what you're doing. Absolutely. And that, uh, you know, externalizing it or getting that third person perspective can, it's amazing how when we voice something or put it down on paper, suddenly our perspective of it changes. Sure. It Absolutely. Urgent or, you know, maybe the, the, the detail of what we're seeing changes. So what what's yeah, and most mo most people are are really uh, unaware of how how many personal commitments they actually have, how many woulds, coulds, shoulds, need tos, ought tos that they actually have. So I've spent you know thousands of hours with some of the best and brightest folks on the planet, walking them through just unloading everything that has their attention. It for a typical mid to senior level professional, it takes one to six hours just to identify 
you know, everything pulling on their head, both personal and professional. I need tires in my car. I need to handle the next vacation. I need to fix my broken tooth. I need to think about hiring a VP of marketing. I, oh my God, you know, and yada, yada. And most people, because you can only remember one of those at a time. And most people are not aware of how much of a mountain of those kinds of things they have. <clears throat> Once they start to identify what those are, it really changes the game. Mm. And by not doing it, they sit in our heads and they clutter and they absorb energy yeah. that we're not realized we're using it. And we're constantly... Yeah, and when you hang on to that stuff in your head, it seems like that, that part of you has no sense of past or future. So subliminally, there's a part of you that thinks you should be doing all of those all the time. No wonder people are so buried and overwhelmed. You can't, you, you can only do one thing at a time. And most people that have so much stuff banging around in their head, you know, the, if you need to buy cat food for your cat, and you also need to rewrite your business plan, those will take up about the same space in your head. And either one of them is likely to wake you up at three o'clock in the morning. Oh my God, I need cat food. Oh my God, I should write the business plan. Uh, if they're in your head. So again, it's just a really bad place to try to you know, manage the relationships between all of those things that we have going on. Mm. And you know, and I'm, imagine from your framework, when you've externalized things and get rid of that internal clutter, you, you then enter sort of a, a, a more a higher presence and you're able to kind of have what you call here mind like water where you're able to have a, a clearer mind where you can be more productive and energetic and focused on the task at hand is that a good yeah well you know the real secret about all this getting things done is not so much about getting things done it's about appropriately engaging with all the commitments in your life so you're present with whatever you're doing which happens to be the most productive state to hit a golf ball from or fire somebody from or cook spaghetti from or do whatever you're doing is when you're not distracted, when you have full presence about whatever it is that you're doing. So, you know, the mindfulness people and all those folks that are, you know, into clearing your head, all that's really good stuff. But if you still need cat food or you still, you know, have a commitment about writing your business plan or your next vacation that needs to get planned, you know, that's, you're not going to stop that noise until you actually, you know, get into it and get through it. So the way out is through, but that means you're going to have to, catch and capture all the stuff that is banging around in your head and by the way you don't have to go very far to see where to apply this just just notice what's got your attention anybody listening to this even for the few minutes you and i've been talking have probably had their mind go somewhere that has nothing to do with what you and i are talking about and that's yeah. where you that's what you need to start to grab like, what was that and why did why do i have my attention on it and the reason for the most part 98 percent of the time things bang around in your head if they if they're in there more than once now you know i we all have 50,000 thoughts a day so i'm not writing all that down most of the time i'm just grazing i'm just looking around and noticing things and there's no there's no incompletion uh, about that but if i but if you tell me hey david here's a new movie you need to see or a book you need to read or a restaurant you ought to try or you know or, or can you do this and get back to me with something about that that's if I can't finish that the moment it happens, that's what I better write down. That's why I've always got pen and paper with me, no matter where, uh, because it, this stuff pat, you know, bangs around who knows where. And some of your best ideas, for instance, about work don't happen at work. You don't have the bandwidth there. Hmm. You know, some of your, some of your, the coolest things you'll think of 
will will occur to you not where they're going to be applied or where you're going to use them. And so having some sort of portable capture tool is a very practical thing. You know, mm. to be able to grab those things as they occur to you. So that's the that's a whole lot of what this is about is just is being able to manage that. And to your point, it becomes a lot easier to get prior to be clear about your priorities if your day-to-day gets under control. So if your day-to-day is feeling out of control and then you try to give yourself some new vision or goal, you know, in the future, all of the, it's just going to create frustration and guilt. You know, so you need to get your day-to-day under control. And then once that's there, there's a, you'll have a sense of confidence, you know, about where you put your attention and what you put your focus on. Mm. Yeah. It's amazing how when we take some space and have some clarity and are able to do what you're saying, how, focused we can become you know I, I, just hearing you talk I'm reminded of my best work is normally done in in an airplane where I'm sitting mm. and I feel very distant from all the stuff that's normally grabbing my attention and pushing pulling um, yeah. my awareness and uh, and I'm able to to have a free perspective on a particular topic and I get there and I'm I'm able to whether it's I'm on my laptop or I've got a pen and paper out and I'm brainstorming and I'm able to get into the zone, find flow and, and stay there for, you know, for long periods of time because I'm not distracted by all the, the usual um, distractions. So what yeah, I- indeed. It, 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 interesting little sidebar on that, though. A good friend of mine, Mark Tichelar, uh, here in the Netherlands, uh, just finished writing a book uh, about you know, focus, focus on, focus off, and uh, has done a good bit of research in the flow state about the flow state. And for some people, for instance, an airplane, why it's sometimes it's easy to get in the flow is it actually forces you to concentrate because there, there is external stimulus. So sometimes either listening to music or being somewhere like in your favorite coffee shop or whatever, where there's still activity going on, it actually forces your brain to, to concentrate a little bit more. So interesting how that works. So the, you know, since you're into the flow thing, I thought that that that's an interesting aspect and i think that's different for different people hmm. um you know for me listening to you know classical music you know uh you know vivaldi or somebody like that kind of gets me into uh, uh um makes it easy for me to do the kind of thinking i need to do to sort of catch up and get my life sort of in order you know what we call the weekly review once a week you know kind of gathering bringing up the rear guard and making my list current and making sure I've, I've captured everything that's happened that week and, and haven't missed anything. Mm. Yeah. It's so interesting that, you know, and I, it changes person to person and task to task. You know, when I'm writing, I'm often listening to kind of low classical concentration music. And, um, you know, there's a favorite playlist I have on Spotify that says concentration music and, um, and when I'm, you know, when I'm in a cafe, for example, I like to have a buzz going on of, of my favorite music, but low enough that I'm not, I pick up the words and start to engage in the song, but it's familiar enough where I, it can just almost act as a buffer to those noise of spoons and waiters and people talking and, and um, our ability to, to focus our attention and keep our attention in one place is, especially in this day and age, seems to be quite problematic you know you only need to look keep glancing over at your phone to constantly be distracted from what we're focused on 
Well, yeah, and uh, you know, a friend of mine now, uh, who I met, uh, uh, Dr. Theo Compernoli, uh, who in Brussels wrote a fabulous book called Brain Chains, like chains around your brain. What are the things that limit our cognitive abilities? And he's done an incredible amount of research on that. And uh, uh, you know, a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of that is is uh, being able to recognize uh, the the things that that distract you. He's and he's got a big rant about social media because it's so addictive, and just having a just having your phone in your pocket, you know, creates an endorphin uh, rush in your head. Uh, just thinking who might be buzzing you, <laughs> so you know, just having all that stuff around makes it to your point much more challenging, uh, you know, for everybody to 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 uh, to maintain focus and to maintain you know control of their attention for sure. Absolutely. Every time it goes off, that dopamine feels fantastic, and we're we're taken away from from where we want to be, which is helping us to be productive and more efficient, and so forth. So, what what tips yeah, do you have? You know, and, and and you know, don't shoot the medium. You know, come on. You know, if you know what you're doing, it's a great time to be alive, isn't it? I mean, come on. You're you're what at Perth? I'm in Amsterdam. And we're talking to each other. My mm-hmm. gosh, how cool is that? Right. So, uh, yeah, but you need to know what you're doing. Yeah. If you don't, it's so easy to let yourself get sucked into, you know, computer games or social media or all kinds of other stuff. And especially if you've got something tough that you're procrastinating about, it's very easy to <laughs> allow yourself to get distracted. But don't, don't blame the distraction. Absolutely. You know, and, and our attention is just another form of, of self-regulation in, in some form or another. And, and a lot of us, you know, haven't been grown up to, uh, we, we haven't been trained or taught how to self-regulate, you know, how to self-regulate our attention, our emotions, our thoughts. We just sort of, we're sucked into the reality of a reactive reality of what's happening inside us. And often not taking that time, like your system, to be able to capture, organize, reflect, and then engage. You know, we're we're too busy just reacting the whole time. And what what what, what um what tips do you have to kind of help us get out of that reactive phase and into that capture and organize phase? I, you know, I heard you talking about that pen and pen and pad. Well, yeah, these really these are these are like ongoing behaviors or best practices. You know, that to to just train yourself to be able to capture you know, things that occur to you that, that you can't complete in the moment, write them down. So that's a, that's a ma- major key. A second major key is once you write down tires or mom, birthday or tooth or bank or whatever, most people's to-do list still are unclear because they haven't de- determined what exactly is the next step they would need to take to handle mom's birthday or the bank or their tooth. And so deciding what's the very next action, and if one action won't complete what it is, what's the project? You know, fix tooth. <laughs> yeah, that's a project. You know, give mom a birthday party. That's a project. But most people actually are not, we haven't been trained. We're not born doing outcome and action thinking. You actually have to train yourself to do that. It's a cognitive muscle, essentially, that you need to work. So that's what I uncovered many years ago, and I spent thousands of hours doing, and it's a big key to this methodology which is once you've identified stuff that has your attention, then you need to clarify what exactly that means. Is it something that's it's actionable? Are you actually going to do something about mom's birthday? You know, yes or no. 
And if no, then it's either reference material or trash, or you incubate it for maybe a reminder later on that you might want to do something. If it is something you're going to act on, then you need to decide, well, what's the very next action I would need to take? Is that an email to send? Is that a website to surf? Is that a call my sister, see what she thinks about mom's birthday? What's the very next thing you need to do about that? And if that one action won't complete this thing, then identify what's the desired outcome. You know, we we practically call that a project. Fix the tooth, handle the next vacation, you know, deal with mom's birthday, you know, give mom a birthday party, uh, you know, extend my credit line at the bank. And those become the outcomes. So thinking, training yourself to think about outcomes and actions. See, part of my mission, Cameron, is that, that we build a world where there are no problems, only projects. Mm. So any, anytime you've got something, you're distracted by a problem, I'm like tooth, yeah, great. Well, what, what, what's your desired outcome? Get this fixed, no kidding. <laughs> okay, what's the next step? Oh, God, I guess I gotta call, my, call the dentist or something. You know, and it, as simple as it sounds, most people avoid this like the plague about all kinds of stuff that's banging around in their head. Mm. Yeah, and it's often a just a change of perspective. You know, I was speaking to a lady recently and um and her life's busy, she's got kids, she's got a whole load of workload going on. And then suddenly when we reframed her life as she's the CEO of all these things happening, she saw the t- the the problems as tasks and she saw suddenly gained a whole load of responsibility for them and responsibility for the solutions and and she was far more innovative and energetic in how she was going to approach these you know previous problems and now to use your language projects and um all by changing her view of who she was within within the barrage of issues and scenarios that's happening around her Pretty sophisticated approach, no kidding. As a good friend of mine also calls the no any problem he calls a puzzle. You know, how do we how do we solve the puzzle? Mm. So, same idea. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what you know, there's a lot of listeners and viewers will be you know nodding their heads and listening to this and probably singing off the same song sheet and um, and will have some kind of method for recording stuff and you know I, personally i use google keep i've always got a paper or two on my desk that i'm scribbling down on and i i try and make sure that they're flushed out every day and i'm not come to the desk with you know five notes with scribbles all over it and um how, how do you suggest what's a good way to kind of record and organize and and reflect well uh, i found low tech is best for capturing uh, because no batteries required, no Wi-Fi required. It's ubiquitously. You don't have to turn anything on. <laughs> you don't have to mm-hmm. click anything. You know, so that's why I've got pen and paper with me. I've got I carry a little note taker wallet that's got a tiny little pen in it wherever I am because it's got my credit cards and driver's license, et cetera, in there. So that goes with me everywhere. So I have that sitting here at my desk. I've got you know pen and paper right in front of me like you do, and so that's. That's how I do that. That's the easiest way to do it. Now, you can capture by just recording on your iPhone and whatever. The problem is, for a lot of people, that's a black hole yeah. because the, <laughs> the, the digital world there is so, oh, you, do I put that in Dropbox? Do I put it in Evernote? Do I put it on my Apple Tasks? I mean, oh, come on. You know, the, so <laughs> unless, you're, unless you're quite disciplined where, to your point, you know, like I write all kinds of notes and throw them into my own in tray. So I have, I'm looking right now at my physical in tray that has a little note I wrote 
and it has hmm, Drew Carey and Bob Stewart. Okay, so I still haven't dealt with those yet, but there, there is a note in my in my own entry, but it will get emptied out. It's the only note in my entry because I'd emptied it last night. So the whole idea of kind of low tech being able to grab any of these kind of things because that's not my organizing system. You know, I organize the results of thinking about what that note is and what I might need to do about it if I can't finish it at the moment. Now, any action that you could take that takes less than two minutes, you know, that's one of my part of my methodology is the two minute rule. Any action, once you determine what the action is, if you can actually finish it in two minutes or less, <laughs> it'd take you longer to actually organize it and look at it later on than it would be to finish it right then. And that 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 eases a lot of people. I had many executives tell me that just just learning that little trick, you know, was worth the price of admission. Just that one, the two minute rule. But you have to determine what the next action is before you can apply that. So what's the next step, and can you do that in actually in two minutes or less? And if not, then it goes into my organizing system, and I I use a digital version of that. I you know there's no perfect system out there for 20 plus years. I used a paper base a paper planner, you know, which is a great tool for list management. Basically, you just need something that manages lists. You need a list of the errands you need to run, a list of things to talk to your life partner about, you need a, a, you know, a list of things that you want to do at the computer, list of things, websites to surf, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, need reminders of that. And most people have, by the way, between 30 and 100 projects and over 150 next actions on all the moving parts of their life right now. So <laughs> trying to manage that in your head, good luck. Mm. So you, you just need some sort of a good list manager where you can customize that based upon how complex your life is and what the volume is. Absolutely. And I, I find another thing really helpful when I wake up every morning, I, not every morning, but you know, probably five out of seven, um, I always take five minutes to sit and reflect, imagine my bigger, my higher level visions, my higher level goals, et cetera. Um, and then, apply or visualize what I imagine to be the perfect day in terms of feeling good, productivity, ticking up off my list, how am I going to do it, what's it actually going to look like. So I've kind of almost already mapped out the day ahead of me and I've kind of recalibrated if you like or resynchronized all my notes and everything that's going on specifically for this day. So I'm not sort of I don't keep getting distracted by what needs to be done tomorrow or what I need to do next week or whatever. I've sort of I've taken charge of what's happening today and 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 how how I'm going to do it, leaving room for opportunities and spontaneity, etc. Um, do you go through a similar process yourself like that, or recommend anything similar? Um, I do. And by the way, people hearing things, there's construction going on in my neighborhood, so okay. uh, you have, no you have to. You have to keep that keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, I, absolutely. You know, the night before, I always look at my calendar for the next day to see what the hard landscape is. What are the commitments I've got? You know, that I've contracted with other people, you know, or myself to, to make sure I'd handle on that day, just so I can sleep as long as I can sleep. I love to sleep, so you know, I'm 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 not a motivational speaker. I sleep as long as I can. I love taking naps. I used to think that was I was just lazy, but now with cognitive science research, we know that's actually optimizing my cognitive ability is being able to let my brain rest and then recalibrate stuff, you know, unconsciously. So anyway, so yeah, so I do that. I do that usually the night before, and then once a week, I do engage in what we call the weekly review, which is one to two hours where I I really lift up and manage the forest instead of just hugging the trees. You know, to your point, same kind of thing. It's like, yeah, let me just lift up, look around. What am I missing? See, 
most of us don't have time to think. We need to have already thought. So like you, to your point, in the morning, you've already thought. So then once your day starts and the madness of the day and the craziness of the day and the, and the speed of the day starts to get on you, you don't have time to do that, those kind of thinking during the day. You need to have already done it, to your point. A number of people I know who have implemented my methodology the night before look through all of their lists, all of their stuff that they've got, and they just take a little you know, index card you know, and just pencil in the, th the two or three or four things they're going to get done the next day if they have time to do them at all. Hmm. And But they're willing to tear that up in case the day changes, and many times it does. But they're not overstructuring themselves, but they're using all of that to, to keep themselves focused on, you know, hey, what would, what would give me some real value if I actually you know, finished it today or if I did it, if I have time to do that. But again, you have to hold that up against the you know, much of your day is going to be a surprise, stuff you don't expect, things you just show up as they show up, and you're going to have to then calibrate that against, you know, the, mm. the, your other priorities. Mm. But when we calibrate and we, we proactively spend time to manage it, you know, there's this just sort of sense of ease in my mind where the, the, the level of stress just diminishes because I'm not trying yeah. to hold on to all of that. All, you know all the craziness and all, all the notes that in my head and um you know it's, it's it's we're often at the flow center talking about how can we manage our attention in the moment to stay focused and 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 manage our attention on relevant bits of information to the task at hand and um you know and this kind of talk in general just sort of spans out a bit and kind of goes well we're always going to be getting distracted in the moment if we haven't got our foundations in place, if we haven't got a structure around what we're doing. And being able to externalize that structure, as, as you're saying, is is absolutely key. Is there anything that, or any other benefits that um, that come from this or any other suggestions you have for, I've done my management, I've got my list over here, okay, I'm sitting down to do a task or I'm about to go do have a meeting, how can I manage my attention so that I'm, I'm not getting distracted by unnecessary things? Well, I think it all comes down to, you know, if you've, if you've actually built the habits of these best practices, capturing what has your attention, clarifying what you're going to do about it, if anything, parking the results in some trusted external brain that you reflect on and review, you know, on a consistent basis, then you're making trusted choices about whatever you do. And then it just allows you to be present with whatever you're doing. This is, look, you and I are talking right now. There's, are, I'm sure you have a lot of things you could be thinking about, as I do too, except this. But as long as we park the results of those things in some place we trust that we, when you and I stop talking, <laughs> you know, you and I both trust we're probably going to go back and check in on our external system you know, or our intuitive judgments. See, ultimately, the, the, the prioritization is going to be your intuitive judgment. No, there's no ABC, one, two, three, high, medium, low prioritizing. That's all way too simplistic in terms of the complexity of our lives and, and, and you know, what, what really drives the choices we make. But you just want to make sure you're making a trusted choice. If you make a trusted choice, you just need to saute onions right now for dinner. <laughs> then you, you've looked at everything else and you go, okay, I'm aware of everything I'm not doing. I have a new partner that's d delivering our trainings in South Africa and uh, I was just visiting with him down in Cape Town, and he starts out most of his presentations, you know, with, okay, here's my number. My number is 87. What's yours? And people scratching their heads. Well, what's he talking about, number 87? He said, 87 is the, the number of things I'm not doing right now instead of talking to you. 
<laughs> he said, I just looked and counted. He said, but I know what they all are. And, you know, to, to you know, the point of my methodology, you can only feel good about what you're not doing when you know what you're not doing. But if you looked at everything and decide to take a nap, that's a, that's a power nap. If you're taking a nap to avoid all the stuff you're not thinking about, <laughs> you know that's not a, that's not a not an easy nap to take. No. You know, so the whole idea is just looking at all your stuff, looking at the gestalt of your life, and going, "Hey, no, right now taking a nap is great, or sautéing onions, or you know, I really need to sit down and handle this ugly email I got to answer, <laughs> or whatever." And, and you know, it, it it's funny, I, you know. It, Another guy who's a big champion of my stuff, major successful movie producer, uh, and his his priority is what's the most fun thing I can do. Hmm. You know, another good friend of mine, his priority what's the ugliest thing I need to do? And sort of you know eat the frog or whatever that they whatever they say. It's like let me let me do the ugliest thing first, and then I can snack on email for the rest of the day as a reward. <laughs> so, and I do either. I do both. Sometimes I do what's most fun. Sometimes I just want to get the the, the thing that I'm avoiding the most done, you know, mm. and then have a good glass of wine or two you know, to enjoy the, the result. Yeah, and I, you know, I like that approach of mixing it up because I often tackle the the most important or the most difficult thing first. So I'm not because otherwise I'm just thinking about that for the rest of the yeah. day. You know, I'm doing yeah. my stuff, but really I've got this. I got the pink elephant that I'm just thinking about, um, <laughs> but, but other times, you know, it does I, I need a little fun, or I need a laugh, or I need a to stretch my legs, or I need to whatever. So I do prioritize things that make me feel good, that then give me the energy to then tackle other stuff. And um, so it's nice to hear there's that that mixed approach. Um, but as long as we're not we're doing we as I guess as long as we're doing fun stuff for positive reasons as opposed to avoidant reasons then it then it can really help yeah it's another version of too controlled is out of control hmm. you know if you if you try to structure your life too much you know you're you're going to fall off the end of the pier because you're not flexible enough to then sort of engage appropriately in, in you know whatever's you know appropriate at the time absolutely well, thank you very much, David. This has been really interesting and um, and certainly, you know, reinforced the message of taking taking that time, whether it's a third space or just an extra two minutes or dedicating a whole weekend or doing a training program, but taking time to to manage, gather and organize and reflect of what's actually happening, which then allows us to kind of maximize a, a level of, trust that we have within our capacities and our abilities for handling everything on in our lives which then gives us the presence and the focus and the ability to be on the task at hand 100 percent and and lead us to those optimal levels of experience and performance that we know we all seek so um well, well said <laughs> and so thank you for your your input david and once again just all you need to do is um you know google david if you want to uh to to find out more about him and uh thank anything any last words you want to say david uh it, it, you know perth is a good ways away but we're doing a uh a one only event i did one 10 years ago in san francisco a global summit of gtd you know champions and and people and so uh we're doing one in june in amsterdam that's going to be a two-day event very if you go to gtdsummit.com you'll see 40 plus presenters from all over the world who are very cool folks who are going to be there. So 
to anybody that, that if that rings your bell, you know, you might want to consider it. Great stuff. All right. All the best. Thank you very much, David. Till the next time. You too, time. Cameron. Yeah, ciao.